All right, we'll start with a, an activity. We used to play games over Thanksgiving when I was growing up, so imagine some of those kind of family games. Uh, I want you just to shout out famous pears. Um, for example, peanut butter and jelly. So pears like that, go ahead, famous pears. Salt and pepper. Steak and potatoes. Oil and vinegar. Jordan and Pippin. All right, I like that one. Bonnie and Clyde. Tom and Jerry. All right, anybody else? One more time. Rhett and Scarlet. Rocky and Bullwinkle. Okay. All right, next one. Famous biblical pairs, such as um, Paul and Silas, Adam and Eve, Jonathan and David. Pardon, Aaron? Aaron and Moses. Joshua and Caleb. James and John. All right, good. Okay, next one. Um, valuable natural resources. Water. Wood. Air. I missed it. Coal. Gas. Oil. Okay. Stocks you wish you would have invested in before they blew up. Apple. What's that? Amazon. Tesla. Google. Bitcoin. Dogecoin. That's, Lincoln's been talking about Dogecoin for like two weeks now. Or Dogcoin, or who knows how you're supposed to say it. Okay. Romans 8.19 says, For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. There is no um, more powerful resource on this earth than somebody who follows Jesus, filled with his Holy Spirit, and walking fully in God, who God created you to be. Not who someone else is, but who God created you to be. Not only that, but one of the most powerful ways for us to get there is by pairing ourselves with somebody. Okay, so that's the whole theme today, is becoming fully who God called us to be and doing it in pairs. Okay? So uh, it's two by two, walking one another into the fulfillment of our prophecies. Luke 10.1 says, After this the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. In my lifetime in the church, um, I've heard a lot about, you know, mega churches and, and God's ministry through a mega church and the importance of having your personal time with Jesus. And there became a missing piece where we started adding in more small group ministries. I really believe for us at the awakening and even in the whole body of Christ that this two by two thing we've kind of glossed over and we've skipped over. And I really want to challenge you today to think about your two-by-two relationships, those other people that you're paired with, and to lean into them a little more and to be more intentional. Uh, I want to actually um, do a little bit of a, a side note, side teaching. So this one's for free. Um, it's about the gifts of the Spirit. Um, so there's 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 has lists. Romans 12 has lists. Um, all throughout the Bible, there's different times where God's Spirit came on people and they had a, a gift or a talent. So I'm not trying to do an exhaustive lift, list here, but just get the general idea that, that God gives us gifts and talents that are by the power of His Spirit, right? Um, and, and one of those we talk about a lot is prophecy. And we talk about it in two ways, and I want to distinguish this. 
in general, when we say prophecy, the more general term um, is hearing God's voice. So if we think God is saying, Kelly, you're a great mom, that's a word of encouragement that we think of as prophecy. Does that make sense? Um, If I'm like, man, I have this pain in my knee, I think it's a word of knowledge for you, and then I pray for you and get healed. That word of knowledge we think of as a prophetic word, um, it's a God's voice gift, but more specifically, it's um, a word of knowledge. Does that make sense? But specifically, actually prophecy, if we're going to go to the foretelling and forthtelling prophecy versus the bigger general God's voice prophecy, we actually mean something about the future, right? That's what we mean by prophecy. Um, I just want to distinguish those two, okay? Um, What we're going to talk about today a little bit is prophetic encouragement. So that's two gifts added with each other, all right? So um, if I see something about what I think God is going to do in your life, something you're going to become, there's an element of prophecy and an element of encouragement in that. Does that make sense? One more piece of this. I actually believe a lot of time God does like pluses, adds gifts together. That example of um, healing, God is maybe through one person is doing this word of knowledge and healing. Um, The really cool thing is he also does it with lots of people. So for example, let's say someone comes up to me and asks for healing and I'm on the prayer ministry team. So I have an anointing by the church to be standing over there ministering to people. So I have this this, um, uh, office on me kind of thing. Um, But let's say, um, you know, we're praying for somebody's knee and I know that Lincoln has prayed for somebody's knee before and I call Lincoln over because he has a faith to pray for knees. So now I've got the gift of faith and I've got an anointing for being here. And then I call somebody who I know, like they've prayed for 10 healings and they've gotten them. So I call over somebody who's got the gift of healing. And then I find out that Phil's been fasting for three days, and I'm like, awesome, pull that over. Does that make sense? We can kind of like add all these things up, and we, we get more power when we, when we work together with one another. Okay, so there's my little side piece of gifts of the Spirit. Uh, so we're going to, we've talked about Gideon recently, so this should be, I don't even know what button to click here. Is it the arrow? There we go. Okay. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Okay, so some background if you don't know it. This is during the time of the judges. Um, during that time, it's like Israel pursues God. He's with them. Everything's good. Then they get complacent, they stop pursuing God, they worship idols, everything's bad. So this is one of those everything's bad times. The Midianites are basically taking their food, their houses. Some people are still in their homes, trying to keep their homes. Some people are hidden off in the mountains. All right? At this moment, let me be clear, Gideon is not a mighty hero. He's actually hiding, just trying to keep his food. He's not going out trying to help his neighbors, okay? So this is, from God, it's prophetic encouragement. God's looking at him going, mighty hero. And Gideon's probably like, somebody standing behind me like, you're not talking about me. In fact, the first task he asked him to do, Gideon does at night because he's afraid to do it in the daytime. So there's things that God is calling out at him that aren't yet. Okay? The end goal of prophecy is not delivery. So if I deliver a prophetic word to Travis, that's not the end goal. The end goal is fulfillment. So... We need to be that in other people's lives. So what God did in Gideon's life, he's like, I am not just prophesying mighty hero over you. I'm going to walk with you until you are mighty hero. Even the night before this famous battle that he wins with like 300 people, 
Gideon is freaking out. <laughs> He's like, I can't do this. God's like, I'm going to have the enemy prophesy over you. Come on into the enemy camp. And they're like, you know, he's like hiding and listening to him. Have you heard of Gideon? Like, he's basically going to destroy us, you know? Like, he, I, I'm, I'm doing the Jason Vonk paraphrase. But he needed God to take him down to the enemy's camp to get encouragement before he finally walks into his destiny, okay? We need to be that to one another. I want to talk about, well, briefly I'll mention Peter, okay? So when Jesus called Peter, um, you know, he, was, he was Simon. Jesus called him Peter, which means the rock, um, when Jesus said to Peter, um, I'm going to call you Peter, I'm going to call you rock, he wasn't a rock. Not yet. He was, he was really more fickle. Like, he was awesome and totally on the other end. He jumps out of the boat, he's walking on water, man of faith, looks down, he's sinking, no faith. He's chopping off somebody's ear, ready to defend Jesus, and a few hours later, a slave girl's like, do you know Jesus? He's like, I don't, I don't know him. So that Peter's not a rock when Jesus called him a rock. He walked him to the place where he was that rock of the church. Okay, I want us to all today walk away being more like Barnabas, and that's who we're going to talk about next. So first of all, our first time that we hear about Bar Barnabas is in Acts 4.36, and his name means son of encouragement. And he was that and more. So... All right, um, we're going into two people's origin story, Paul and Mark. I like Marvel. Anybody else like Marvel movies or comics? Okay, so Iron Man's origin story, how he makes the Iron Man suit. Captain America's origin story, how he gets his supernatural strength, right? Um, so now we're in Paul's origin story, okay? So, so Paul is, before Jesus appeared to him on the road, he is enemy of Christians. They're scared of him. He's a part of murders and imprisons, imprisonments, okay? So when he, that's talking about Paul or Saul. If it says Paul or Saul, don't get confused. It's um, not even really a name change. It's just different, um, like, I don't know if it's Greek and I don't even know the languages here. <laughs> but two different societies that he's working in, okay? So when he, Paul, came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas, Barnabas is stepping in, took him and brought him to the apostles. And those dot, dot, dots are him explaining to the apostles how he believes in him, what he's already doing in Jesus. So Paul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. So this is Barnabas, enter Barnabas, and he's like, I see something in Paul not only do I see it, I'm going to walk him into it. Okay, so, so now um, in this city of Antioch, God starts doing something awesome, and the church is growing, and, and um, you know, the, the leaders of the church are like, we got to send somebody out there to help them. When the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy, and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith, and many people were brought to the Lord. Okay, there's no reason this couldn't have just ended here, and Barnabas was the one-man show and did this awesome thing with the church there, okay? But Bar that's not Barnabas's character. He walks people into their destiny. So then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. Do you guys remember where Saul was from? He was from Tarsus. Like, 
he might have been home living in his parents' basement at this point in time. All right, I'm just, that's the Jason Vonk interpretation, but he's not the Paul who's written the Bible yet. He's not the Paul who's gone on three missionary journeys yet. He's not the Paul who, like, stands in the face of being stoned and is like, no big deal. No, he's, he's at the very beginning of his story, but Barnabas is like, I got to pull Paul into this. So when he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. It was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. Okay, so now obviously we know Barnabas and Paul, they continue to walk through life together. They do two missionary journeys together. And Barnabas really is there faithful with him, helping walk into what he's going to become next. Okay, now we move on to Mark. Um. And this is the Mark that's commonly known to have written the book of Mark. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them, but Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphyla and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and left. Commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord, he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. The rest of the book of Acts follows Paul and Silas through their missionary journey. So we don't have a lot of information on Barnabas and Mark. But we have this little piece. Uh, this is written by Paul, the book of Timothy. Go back. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. There's a point in Mark's life where, where Mark was so questionable in his faithfulness to God that Paul's like, I'm willing to part ways with my best friend Barnabas over this. And now Barnabas has walked Mark to the place where he's the one Paul asks for. And he becomes the one who writes the book of Mark. So um, once again, Barnabas is here believing in somebody that nobody else would believe in and willing to walk him to that place. There's a few other examples in the scriptures that I'll just kind of brush over because um, I think you get the point. Um, but David, uh, we have David and Jonathan, of course, but David is, he's on the run from Saul. And what it said about the people who came to him is they were the outcasts. They were the, they were the poor and the, you know, the people who were also on the run. Like they were not in good places in their lives. Um, and, you know, if you want to do further reading, uh, I'll give you some of the highlights of it. But in 2 Samuel 23, it talks about David's mighty men later on in their life. Okay? One guy killed 800 people by himself. Another killed 300 people by himself. Another killed some giants just like David. And there was a lion in a pit that he killed on a snowy day. I mean, these guys weren't like the down and out anymore. Because they hung around David, they became like David. They became mighty warriors. There's a, another cool spot. Jonathan, he's got this armor bearer. This battle's kind of brewing. And he's standing at the bottom of the hill. If you know anything about battle, you don't want to be at the bottom of the hill. You want to be at the top of the hill. Jonathan's with his armor bearer at the bottom of the hill. There's a, a, a group of um, Philistines at the top of the hill. They're outnumbered. And Jonathan says to his armor bearer, hey, let's go there and fight him. And his armor bearer says, do all that you have in mind. Go ahead. I'm with you heart and soul. We need those people in our lives who are with us heart and soul. I'm going to give you one example on the opposite. Okay, we have Samson, strongest person in the Bible, 
picked up gates probably the size of this wall, carried them up hills, right? God's plan was for him to de deliver his people, and he did, but he really lived a life of tragedy. He made a lot of bad choices. Those choices ended up, you know, leading to him being, his eyes plucked out and him being in prison. He finally fulfilled God's, you know, call on his life. In his death, he killed 3,000 people, okay? But what if Samson had a Barnabas? We might have a whole different, really awesome set of stories about a guy like that. Um, so think about that with the people in your life. Like, be that person to them. Don't let them go the route of Samson. But carry them, walk them through the route of Paul, of Mark, okay? All right, so I want to tell a couple of my Barnabases in my life. Um, one of them is Alan Riedel. If I get a little tender here, it's hard because Alan passed away and he meant so much to me. So I'll try to pause if I need to, but keep my voice level. Um, so when I was in my early 20s, um, I had moved to Colorado. I'll give you a little bit of background on my upbringing. Great Christian upbringing. We went to church Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday morning, Sunday school, Sunday night. Uh, read the Bible after dinner. So I got a really good foundation. And, uh, and actually, I mean, throughout, there was always pieces of of it that I loved. Like, I didn't love going to church on Sundays, but I loved going to Awana on Wednesdays. And then later on, I loved going to church in the youth group and went on mission trips. So this really good upbringing, and I, I really walked with the Lord. Um, and the strength of this, of my family and the community of believers was, was up here. Like, I knew the scriptures. I memorized scriptures. I knew how to, you know, walk people through the Romans road and share the gospel with them. Um, but it wasn't, I didn't have a lot of, like, heart depth in the Lord. Um, you know, if anything, I was probably distant. I actually remember um, when I was in middle school, somebody's like, you hug awkward. <laughs> just because I just, I was, I was here mostly. I, I didn't have like a big heart for God. Um, that part hadn't grown in me yet. So I meet Alan. Alan just decides to sit um, next to me one Sunday morning. And afterwards, he, he talks to me and prays for me. And he prophesies over me that I have the heart of David um, and that I'm a seer. Okay. So this is my mighty hero moment. I was not either of those at that point in time. Um, I remember walking into that church my first Sunday and seeing people with their arms out, worshiping the Lord and thinking, I want to be able to do that. And obviously I could, I could put my arms out, but like I didn't feel free enough to worship God with my whole heart. So that's where I was um, when Alan prophesied this over me. Alan, from that week on, he sat with me every Sunday. He took me to breakfast once a month at Cracker Barrel. And one of the things Alan would always ask me is, how's your heart, dude? And I always just, it was like it opened up a flood. I just told him everything, my dreams, my fears, you know, everything. I just shared my heart with him. And I started to open my heart up to him, to the Lord. Um, and he, almost, he, almost, uh, he also demonstrated it. I remember sitting at Crackle Barrel one time, and there weren't actually a lot of words spoken. Um, Alan was, in his devotion, he was really... Um, learning more about the Father Heart of God. I just remember him talking about the Father Heart of God with streams of tears flowing down his face. He probably couldn't get more than like five or ten words out, but I got a, I got a bigger message than any more words would have given me. Um, and that's become one of my strengths, is being his son and knowing God as Father because of Alan. Um, as far as the seer part, uh, I didn't really explain seer. Um, that's like the gift of prophecy, but particularly it's like you see in pictures or in kind of your mind's eye, your imagination, 
Um, so typically when God speaks to me, I'll get, a, I'll get a picture of something and then I'll get the interpretation of it. So that, that's what a seer is in the scripture. Sometimes they might actually see with their physical eyes and sometimes it's, you know, kind of in the eyes of your mind or imagination. So Alan comes up to me one day and he says, I saw you baking, uh, but you're missing an ingredient. Now Alan didn't tell me what the ingredient was. He said, go ask God what it is. So he was helping me lean into my walk with hearing God. So I did. I went back. I'm like, God, what's the missing agreement? It was boldness. And so I, I'm like, all right. So I started a Bible study with my gymnast. I started sharing the gospel more. I, um, I started a small group with my friend Kevin, who I'll talk about in a second. And when I stirred in that missing ingredient, some really cool things happened. People came to the Lord. It was great. Um, but he didn't, um, he left space for me to grow. Uh, one other thing about my relationship with Alan that I'll say is um, I felt like he was in my space, but it wasn't him. He was just being faithful. There was an issue in me that in my upbringing, it was uncomfortable for somebody to be there for you like that, for somebody to ask you, how's your heart, dude, and then to share that and, and, and not entrust that person with it. Um, and I just want to mention that because actually when Travis talked about walls break, breaking down, I think some of those walls can be in a relationship. A wall needed to break down between me and Alan that I put up during my upbringing. So as we do this, don't be afraid to lean into those this feels uncomfortable moments um, and, and get healed and, and break those walls down. Okay, Kevin Deese. Kevin was the best man in my wedding. Um, our origin story. <laughs> played soccer together on the church um, soccer team. I think the first game we played, we, got, we started talking afterwards. And Kevin and I both had this heart of like, Man, we, wanna, we want all that God has. So that first night we sat in, I think it was his car, and we talked for two hours, like parking lot empties, the lights go out in the parking lot, and we're still talking about the Lord. And so Kevin and I decided to start a small group together. So we would lead the group on Wednesday nights. We'd meet to prepare on Monday nights. And then, um, you know, Kevin would be like, hey, I got, this is, a long, long enough time ago there weren't podcasts. Hey, I got these sermon videos. Want to come over and watch a sermon video with me? And like that was fun for us. We love to talk about the Lord. We love to watch a sermon together. So that's Kevin and I. And we were pretty green. Like we knew God could do miracles, but we, neither of us had a lot of experience in it, but we were going to go for it. There's a, um, there's a path of growing in spiritual gifts. Okay, I, I believe like there's this supernatural piece of a gift being on you. But there's also sort of a natural growing process, just like learning to hit a baseball or a child learning how to walk. I learned with Kevin, you practice these gifts in your personal time with the Lord. Then when Kevin and I are together, you practice them. And then we practice them in our small group and so on. And that's why this two-by-two two thing is important because you can't miss that piece of just with one other person working these things out. That can be as simple as the gift of teaching. Right? You're in your devotion, something jumps out at you, it reminds you of another verse, and you go look it up. That's the Holy Spirit coming on you and for the gift of teaching in your personal devotion times. Then I go with Kelly, and I talk about, hey, this is what was going on in my devotions, and the gift of teaching is happening as we talk about it. And then you can teach in a small group. It's the same with prophecy, encouragement, words of knowledge, healing. At this time with Kevin, if I got a headache, if I woke up with a headache, I'm, I put my hand on my head and I'm praying for my headache. And eventually, it started going away. 
And then Kevin and I would pray if one, of, if one of each other was sick. And then we started praying in our small group. We saw people get healed. So this, in this two-by-two pair walking together, you, you, you try stuff. And you grow in your gifts that way. So in becoming a, a, somebody who sees God or sees the voice of God, that seer, that prophecy gift, um, like I was, I, I didn't know anything. Like I was pretty new. And so I remember one time it was Kevin and I and we had um, another leader with us. I don't even remember her name. It was a really short stint. But I remember in my prayer time, I saw this white daisy. And I didn't know, is this my mind? Is this God? What's going on? But I had this safe place to try it. So I'm like, so I was seeing a white daisy. Does that mean anything to you guys? And she's like, that's my favorite flower. And Kevin's like, he steps in with the interpretation. He's like, I think God just wants you to know he's thinking of you. He knows every detail about you. Um, and so we did those little things. When I knew God was actually starting to speak to me was this story, and it's funny because I think God has a sense of humor. So Kevin and I would, like I said, we'd get together, watch sermons. This time we were just praying together um, in one of our cars, um, just doing intercession, listening to God. And I saw, like, Caribbean waters. And so I didn't have an interpretation. Hey, Kevin, what does Caribbean waters mean? Does that mean anything to you? And he kind of stonewalled a little bit. I didn't notice it, but he's like, eh, you know. So I was like, okay, whatever, we're praying. I see, like, Goofy and Mickey and Donald. I'm like, man, we're trying to intercede here, and I'm seeing Disney characters like Kevin. Like, I'm seeing Disney characters. And he just starts laughing. Kevin was engaged at the time. He was planning his honeymoon, and he, he didn't want his wife to find out it was going to be a surprise. So he wouldn't tell anyone, even me, his best friend. And he's like, man, I'm trying to keep this a secret, and God's telling you the secrets. They were going to the Caribbean, and then on their way home, they were going to Disneyland. And it was just, it was funny, but it was God confirming to me, hey, these little pictures you're seeing, I'm in that, keep going. And we tried it out in small group, and, you know, there was times, same thing, it'd just be little pictures, I wasn't sure. There wasn't that um, gift of faith with it where I was sure that it was God, but we tried it, and, and, um, and it was a safe place to try it. And you know, a lot of times, it meant something to people, and they got prayer, and they, you know, there were tears, and there was life change. So um, that, was, that was Kevin and Alan walking me into those prophecies. All right, I'm losing my place here. Give me just a second. So I'm going to try to wrap this up with some... going the wrong way. Okay. So just a couple things that just, this has been the story of my walk with the Lord since those times with Alan and Kevin. This is what Kelly and I do together. Um, our friends Grant and Amy in Connecticut, this is how we walked through life together. Um, you know, and some of these are lifetime things and some of these are a few years. Um, but simply just pray together. Um, and I encourage you, if you don't do it, take that step from just like, okay, I'm going to pray for Kelly and she's going to pray for me, which is great. Don't stop doing that. But also just try to intercede together. I like a popcorn style of that. Um, it might work well with my style because I get bored really fast. And if Kelly prayed two paragraphs, I'd be like looking at the birds or something. Like, like I really try to pray a couple sentences and then leave space for Kelly to pray a couple sentences on those themes. And then I pray a couple sentences. And she, so we kind of go back and forth. Like, you don't have to pray everything you can think of. Put a little bit out there, go back and forth. The reason I actually think there's some, 
some, something to that is because it also leaves room while I pray those couple sentences and then she's praying for me to listen to the Holy Spirit. So there's this threefold chord thing that's happening when we pray like this. Um, I also, like, you know how you need to pray. Like, I have to, I can't sit very long and pray. If I go on a walk with somebody and pray, I can pray for an hour. If I'm sitting praying, I got about 10 or 15 minutes and I start to lose my train of thought. Listen to the Lord together. I put some questions here. You know, I, I described how Kevin and I would do that. But ask God what he's thinking and feeling about a person. Just see what he says. Like Kelly and I could be praying for Ben. God, what are you thinking and feeling about Ben? And we listen. God, what do you think about this situation in my life? And leave space to hear that. Ask for a Bible verse for someone when you pray for them. Um, and, you know, just a, a pointer on that. I try to get the actual words of the verse as opposed to the numbers. God does sometimes like say like, Acts 2.11 or something, but, but most of the time I go to those and they're like just random. <laughs> so I try to get the actual like scripture in my head, just a pointer there. Um, and then asking God for one word or a picture and then dialoguing with God about that. Practice vulnerability. This could be a whole talk, but simply share stories, share your struggles, share your dreams. Uh, make a point to not just go to the easy things. Even practicing spiritual gifts together is vulnerable, right? Like, you might get it wrong. Those are things where you lean into that vulnerability. Um, and there's, there's a lot of power in that. And I, I, think it's, I think the reason God put it there is, like, he talks about the power of being humble, right? So, so when we, we show up vulnerable, we're showing up humble. And that leaves a lot of room for God to work. Uh, obviously, you got to talk to each other. Um, asking questions like, what's God saying to you? What's God teaching you? Even things like, what's God like? What aspect, what name of God or what characteristic of God is he showing you in your life right now? Those are really good questions. If I can see God, not just how I see God, but how Kelly sees God, like, I see a whole aspect of him through her eyes by having conversations like this. <laughs> Alan's thing, how's your heart, dude? That, for me, that opens up a lot. That might work for you. It's just so open-ended, but it's like, you feel like, I'm just going to put what's out there. Uh, talk about dreams, your prophecies that people have prophesied over you, promises, future hopes. You don't just have to get those mighty hero things just from the Lord. You get them in conversation with each other. Like, I know where Kelly's going, where God's taken her. At least, not perfectly, but I have an idea. I know how to partner with her to get her there because we talk. Um, discuss your devotions. Discuss sermons. We almost always, when we're driving home, just say, hey, what would you get out of that? What did God say to you? Sometimes it's a lot. Sometimes it's not much. But doing that every week leads to a lot. Uh, practice spiritual gifts together, and then another layer of that is doing ministry together. I have taught Sunday school on and off for 20 years. That's a great place to practice your spiritual gifts because the, they're used to learning like that. That's, they try and fail and try and fail, so it's a great place to do it. I remember just, like, in Sunday school, we wrote, like, a spiritual song together with the kids. I'm like, what's God saying? This little... This friend, actually, it was Ben's friend Noah. Noah had a tune. He starts humming this tune. Somebody else puts words to it. We made a song by listening to the Holy Spirit. 
it didn't, it didn't break the top 10 or anything, but we were trying to partner with each other and with the Holy Spirit. And that last one, when I mentioned with Alan, lean in when it gets uncomfortable. So if you're like, if you notice yourself kind of leaning away and you're not sure why, there's probably a wall there, there's probably an issue there that's worth leaning into. So, you know, simply asking God for help, getting ministry prayer for it, continuing to walk and lean in even when it's uncomfortable, Um, work with a counselor, those are all ways. All right, I'm going to try to leave. Did I leave enough time for some? Yeah. I want to leave some space for just the Lord to do ministry, whatever he wants. Um, I want to mention some things. If you don't already know, ask the Lord, who are my people? Maybe there's someone in, like, there's someone here that you haven't walked like this yet that God will nudge you today and go, hey, reach out to that person. Start walking with them. Be a Barnabas in their life. Um, even, if, even if you know it, just confirm with someone, hey, like, we're Paul and Barnabas. We're David and Jonathan. Like, this is our relationship. Um, I also want you to feel free, like, if you see something, if you see a mighty hero, if you see that prophetic encouragement on somebody, walk up to them and deliver it. And, uh, you know, ask for prayer if you want, a, like, an impartation for walking two by two better. 